Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazy. So our guest today is Jeremy King, uh, who is a partner at Ocean Frame Woloski, from Woloski and is the firm's chair of insurance coverage law practice, which means that he focuses on insurance coverage actions and other civil litigation matters. Um, so uh, he's going to talk to us today about uh, cyber insurance and uh, how that um, how important that is for law firms. Um, so first of all, welcome, Jeremy. Uh, thank you, Justin. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I know I'm sure for a lot of people, when they hear the word insurance, they're, I don't know, their eyes cross or they think, oh, you know, I can't possibly understand that. But um, you know, I feel like we should have like a, a red flashing light and uh, warning sirens and everything because cyber insurance is, you know, so important in this day and age. Um, you know, most especially for business continuity and uh, and everything uh, like that. So, could you first kind of describe what cyber insurance is, what it means for firms, and why it is so crucial that they pay attention to this topic? Yeah, certainly. And uh, look, I agree with you. You know, you mentioned insurance, and most people's eyes just sort of glaze over. Um, and you think of this thing that you have to buy, uh, you know, in connection with your home or with your car or something like that, that hopefully you never actually have to use and you just pay for. But um, especially for an administrator of a company, uh, insurance is really about uh, risk mitigation and, and sort of loss allocation in case things happen. Uh, and in this day and age, um, I mean, the reporting is out there, especially from the FBI, uh, cyber loss and cyber crime is way up. Uh, law firms are increasingly becoming targets of this kind of attack because of the confidential and proprietary information they contain inside their servers. So I, uh, as a as a practicing courtroom lawyer, I deal often with the claim side, what happens after a bad event, how do you get uh, carriers to pay on those coverages? Uh, but I'm also asked frequently to consult on the uh, underwriting or the placement side. What kinds of coverages do we need? What risk uh, transfer mechanisms should we be looking at for our, our company? What risk vectors might there be? Uh, and in particular, you know, does my policy really cover the risks that it presented to my company? Um, and for law firms, that's certainly uh, both malicious attacks of their servers, their hardware systems, um, but it also certainly extends to phishing attacks, uh, exposures from uh, work from home environment uh, in, in the modern era, uh, and even all the way to something like cyber extortion. Uh, if, if folks can get inside your systems, uh, it's a really uh, a very real risk of loss to a law firm. So um, I know that's kind of the, the broad overview, but what kind of uh, um you know, cyber events are you seeing happening most to law firms nowadays? Um, look, I, I would say the most common thing, and uh, and I do uh, work for a number of law firms on a number of coverage issues, um, but the most common thing, frankly, is the phishing attack, is, is something where somebody is impersonating or spoofing an email, uh, whether it's a client or it's a you know, partner at the firm or somebody in firm administration uh, issuing instructions. Uh, there's a number of ways that these scams come about. Uh, and I get, you know, at least one a quarter, if not once a month, not not all from law firms, but uh, some from clients and some from law firms uh, as clients that have a problem where money has been transferred or uh, sent somewhere 
uh, on the basis of a, an instruction that's essentially fraudulent. Um, the FBI is reporting, uh, again, an uptick in things like uh, cyber extortion uh, and that those sorts of issues. But still, for me, the most prevalent thing uh, is what I would think of as the fraud by trick uh, type uh, hacking situation. Right. And so without insurance, what are, what are the consequences of, uh, you know, falling for those kind of tricks? Uh, unfortunately, you know, w without insurance, um, and frankly, even with insurance, um, you know, payments that are made fraudulently uh, are are unpaid. They're the you know, the contractual responsibility still exists to pay the vendor if you sent the vendor's money somewhere else, uh, even if it was a trick, even if through no fault of your own. Uh, for law firms, those issues, um, the ante is upped a little bit because. Uh, law firms have specific responsibilities, in particular for client funds. Uh, sometimes you see these scams come through and it's, um, you know, a quick settlement scam or something like that, where uh, the firm is being instructed to disperse funds out of uh, what we in New York would call our IOLA account, which is really the client's money, uh, and send it somewhere. And that can have uh, horrendous repercussions on a law firm when it turns out that that is a not a true instruction from the client, but in fact, somebody trying to run a scam on the law firm. Right. Um, so if I'm looking to get cyber coverage for my firm, what are the uh, first steps that I should be taking when I'm looking into that? Certainly. I mean, first, um, I would assume any, any risk manager for a law firm has a good working relationship with the brokerage to place their coverage, uh, in particular, their malpractice coverage. Uh, I suspect um, that you have available to you a sort of a packaged policy situation that would take care of your you know, professional liability for the law firm that you could bundle in with your cyber policy for premium uh, breaks. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Uh, I am not a broker. I don't participate in the marketplace, uh, but I have seen packaged products like that uh, for law firms. Um, but you work through with your broker and the very first thing you should do is identify those areas or vectors of risk that you might have. Um, you know, where is confidential client information stored? Where is, you know, protected, uh, personal information stored? If you have those sorts of things with your law firm, um, how do, are those systems accessed through what computer systems? Uh, and then what, uh, you know, aggressive outside hacking uh, could take place. Uh, to attack those systems. Um, secondarily, uh, you know, law firms are mobile places these days. Everybody's got a smartphone. Lots of people work from home. Uh, what kinds of authentication systems and security protections do you have in place for your users, uh, for your, you know, your attorney who is banging out a confidential settlement agreement on an important case uh, at the, uh, you know, at the terminal in an airport where they may be on free access public Wi-Fi. What are the risks there and what kinds of security systems do you have, you know, sort of onboarded on the firm's hardware that's being hopefully the firm's hardware that's being used and not, you know, their personal computer uh, for doing that kind of work. Uh, and I think you will find that during the underwriting process, uh, the insurance carriers will work with you in terms of systems to put in place and, and best practices. Um, they're more than happy to help with that kind of loss mitigation. Uh, but really, the first step is is going through your broker, who is your mouthpiece uh, in the marketplace, and identifying you know, th those areas of of risk uh, to your law firm. And uh, when it comes to the the marketplace, what kind of uh, um, coverages are we seeing come available, and uh, 
you know, what's the, and also the affordability aspect, because I know that that's, um, you know, bottom line is obviously always important to any business, including, including yeah. firms. Yeah. Um, and it, it does dovetail with that earlier question you asked about um, essentially the fraud by trick or what the insurance carriers would call social engineering. Um, it is a buzzword to look for in your policies because it is, uh, it's what you and I would think of as phishing, the, the, the scam, the email scam that comes in. Very traditional cyber packages are designed around um, a, you know, either a denial of service attack or a physical intrusion into your hardware and the changing of data or, or bad instructions coming from essentially inside the firm's hardware rather than tricking somebody to sending something out. Uh, and I, I bring that up just because that is usually an add-on rider, can usually be an additional cost. Um, often it is uh, sublimited, which means you know you may have a $1 million policy but the carrier will only apply, say, a quarter million dollars to that sublimited coverage. So it's important to look at because it's an important risk vector. Um, that said, overall, and again, I don't participate in the marketplace, but it is widely reported um, overall that cyber premiums are increasing just year after year. Um, that said, this most recent year, there have been a number of entry uh, entries into the marketplace. In other words, a number of new companies that are underwriting cyber insurance or old underwriters that are expanding their books and allowing for more of cyber risk. Um, so the numbers have dwindled a little bit. Uh, I think across all industries, they said premiums were going up about 17% uh, in the quarter four of last year of uh, 2022, as opposed to about 31% uh, in the fourth quarter of the prior year. So uh, they're plateauing a little bit as the market uh, itself is just increasing in size. Uh, so that there are more people competing for these premiums. But that said, uh, premiums are going up uh, in in the cyber world, and you know are predicted to continue to, although not rise at such a great rate. Um, some of this is again, I, I hope, as uh, there becomes much more industry standardization in terms of security, et cetera, those prices will level out. But cyber does always have the problem that you're trying to stay ahead of nefarious actors and uh, those actors are um, incredibly clever and think of a new problem or a new vector and so there's always that uncertainty um you know as opposed to more traditional insurance areas like fire or products liability or something like that right um i want to touch on a couple more things and the first is um the issue of uh crisis response mm -hmm. um you know so let's say something uh you know attack does happen um you know what uh, what is the best way for firms to respond to that in let's say the short to medium term and uh and how can insurance play a role in in supporting that it's a terrific question frankly for law firms um, and I want to go actually even to an earlier step than short to medium term. And this is the before term. Um, typically, you know, your policy, your cyber policy and a number of other coverages, but your cyber policy will have preferred vendors in it. Um, it should have crisis response costs. Um, it should have costs put in place for the reporting that's required under various state statutory schemes uh, to make, you know, make sure all those costs are covered. Uh, but in particular, they likely will have both forensic and PR vendors or preferred you know, experts to assist the firm uh, that you may be required to use under the terms of the policy. 
Uh, and I would just point out to administrators out there that the time to look at those requirements is not after an event happens when you're trying to respond, but during underwriting. Um, you as a law firm may have a relationship with an outside PR company that knows your firm well. You may have a relationship with outside IT and forensics vendors, people that you want to use uh, to respond to the problem. And it is far easier to negotiate with your carrier perhaps get a specialty endorsement put on your policy, recognizing your preferred providers, um, rather than adding to the number of issues that you're gonna have to deal with after an event happens. Um, I can't say uniformly that's available. Often these arrangements uh, by the providers are done on a sort of exclusivity basis, right? They, they give discounted rates and you know they will be recommended on these policies. But uh, again, the, the time to try to do that is uh, is during underwriting rather than trying to make the insurance company change its mind or a policy term mid crisis. Um, that said, you know you should have a crisis response team at your firm. Uh, you should give notice to the carrier uh, as soon as you're able to, and have somebody really look at your policy to see when that that notice is due. Um, but you want to make sure as soon as you can before you're incurring costs that the insurer knows about that. Uh, and hopefully will consent or at least not object to those costs because the timelines on these things are, are sort of very short term, especially in terms of reporting to clients uh, if, if anybody gets into actual confidential client information. Um, then hopefully you've got a team put together that you, know, you, you approve of, that works very well with your team and knows your firm. Um, and then it, it should be a simple uh, task of, of coordination with them. It certainly will be a complex in terms of dealing with the aftermath, but assuming the people are in place that work well with your team, uh, then it is you know keeping the insurer in the loop, uh, reporting on the situation, keeping very careful track of your costs in each sort of cost bucket. Uh, anybody who deals with insurance knows that one of the hardest things to do is, is sort of recreate what was done and justified under the policy. It makes sense. To have your crisis team up to speed on that, um, you know, immediately. And in fact, you know, one of, one of the things I do is usually I get a call. Uh, we, you know, we we've had this problem. Can you look at our policies and tell us both whether there are requirements in there we have to follow, and then how we should be portioning out our costs and paying attention to this loss uh, going forward? Right. That it's uh, a pretty comprehensive plan. Um, and uh, so the last thing is uh, the question of kind of regulation and requirements. Um, I know when you were talking before this, you said there's a new uh, rule requiring public companies um, and they're reporting on uh, cyber um, issues. But um, as far as law firms go and private companies, um, are there any requirements for uh, you know, cyber insurance, or is it simply a, you know, you really should have this, but it's not required that you, that you have it. Right. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right. And I'm sure, you know, anybody listening to this, your law firm is going to see an uptick of inquiries because the SEC has just, you know, within the last month implemented uh, new reporting rules for public companies uh, in terms of both uh, disclosure of material events, and then also their their annual reporting requirements and cyber risk and governance. Um, as of right now, and I should qualify, this is a sort of a state by state issue, I'm sure, for the regulation of law firms. Um, you know, I don't know of any you know, requirements that are in place that you must uh, guard against the cyber risk. Uh, I would not be surprised 
if the ABA started to take a look at this, uh, especially given remote work and our reliance on computer infrastructure uh, to at least issue guidance out to law firms as part of your professional responsibilities in terms of the level of uh, security and attention that needs to be given to these issues kind of in the modern era. Um, I know, you know, one of the things that they've started to talk about is the use of other technology, for instance, in discovery. And it seems just a natural corollary that the ABA would start to talk about what it means to be a modern law firm and rely on these things while maintaining confidentiality of information. Uh, but as of right now, uh, I don't know of any jurisdiction in which it would be required uh, to have this kind of coverage. Um, it's simply, I think, given given where law firms sit and given what kind of information that's potentially valuable sits on their servers. And frankly, given what would happen in terms of, you know, the interruption to the business, uh, if, for instance, somebody was able to ransom a server and, and close down a firm for a period of time, um, the loss of productivity, et cetera, you know, it's very wise to guard against that. Um, you know, law firms that this kind of, uh, we think of it as business interruption coverage, but this is available also in the cyber world, a, a coverage to protect the income the firm would be generating, but it can't because it's locked out of its systems and some kind of cyber ransom. Um, and then of course, there's also coverage in place to, to pay that ransom if that, if that's the way the firm uh, decides in conjunction with authorities and the insurer, et cetera. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again so much for being here, Jeremy. Um, you know, I appreciate the, uh, um, providing some, you know, clarity on the topic of insurance, which I feel like we don't, we don't get very often. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you, uh, explaining everything. Um, well, look, but, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Thank, thank you for having me. I'd be happy to talk on any other sort of risk transfer issues you have, but, um, you know, again, you know, sophisticated law firms are right, I think, in the crosshairs of folks uh, that may be, um, you know, looking for a, a good way uh, to maliciously attack some company and get useful information. Uh, so they they do need to be on the lookout uh, for cyber issues. As I said, I, I, I count them frequently at this point, and it has certainly been ramping up over the past, call it seven or eight years. Right. Um... Well, hopefully firms are uh, now paying attention and will, uh, um, you know, put in the work to uh, prevent those. So, uh, yeah, we will see. And uh, uh, thanks so much for being here. And thanks to our viewers and subscribers for tuning in. Uh, if you want more legal management talk, you can uh, check us out on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and uh, and you can Check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time. Mm -hmm.